I think one of the, the key things that I learned along the journey into welcoming Joy back in was that it was a step-by-step process. It wasn't a giant leap from where I found myself to, um, you know, the next day being that joyful mama again at all. It was um, letting myself have lots of grace, grace for myself, grace for my children, grace for my friendships, grace for my husband, um, and letting it be a really um, step-by-step, small, mindful move um, towards welcoming that back in and letting, you know, it be a gradual process, not wanting it to be some big change. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, I had a beautiful soul reach out to me around one of the posts that I had made, and she just placed this comment, which kind of triggered me into responding in such a way that eventually, after a couple of messages back and forth, I invited her to be on the show. Her message is amazing, and when I asked her to send through her bio, this is what she said. Are there any mamas out there feeling more overwhelmed than filled with joy? That's exactly where I found myself. As a mama at the time of three kids under three years of age, I found myself surviving the days rather than thriving and finding joy in motherhood. One evening as a family, we were watching old videos of when the kids were little and laughing at just how cute they were. As we were watching, tears filled my eyes because I felt so exhausted at this point in my life and felt the person I was watching on the family video felt like someone else. And I remembered back to that season of motherhood that I was so delighted in cooking delicious food for my family and I wondered when the burden of motherhood had fallen on my shoulders and gotten in the way of me enjoying motherhood. That's where Macho Mama was born. That night, when I realized I wanted to chase down joy and get it back into my life and get my macho mama back. I know you are going to enjoy this beautiful conversation. The amazing Naomi Jacques is here with us this week, sharing what it means to chase the joy of motherhood, chasing joy in your life, and you can use it as a beautiful metaphor for any aspect that may be challenging you right now. I cannot wait for you to hear this, and I cannot wait for you to actually join her in a beautiful masterclass that gets underway in October. So make sure you go to the show notes that you can follow the link and also the discount code she has generously offered to this beautiful group. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts and feedback, so please share it with me on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28 or you can go to my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, or you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash podcast. Please share this podcast with all mamas out there that may be struggling to find joy in their life and feel completely overwhelmed and overburdened by the pressures and responsibility of parenthood. I know you're going to love it. She speaks with such passion and such integrity that I know that you will take a lot from all her tips and advice in this beautiful show this week. Thank you to 28 Essentials for 
for sponsoring this show. It is my absolute honor and delight to bring it to you each week. Please, please continue to give the show a five-star rating so that other beautiful souls out there get to hear messages from amazing women like Naomi. Take care. Be kind. One of my favorite things to do is to bring you, our beautiful listener, the incredible skills, abilities, and beauty of my guests. And this week is no different. We have the beautiful Naomi Jacques joining us. Welcome, you beautiful soul. Thank you, Kim. It really is such a dream to be with you here today. I've um, read your amazing book, and I have heard you speak many times Um at the wellness summit and every single time it was like I needed to hear that message it was like a breath of you know fresh air over my life um, and it was pivotal also as I was finding myself journey from a season of overwhelm into welcoming joy it was like pivotal message I'm like how did you know I needed to hear this so it was it's just a delight to be able to be with you here today and, and spend some time talking with you oh you're just a, a sweetheart and I can promise you that there'll be someone listening to this going Oh my gosh, I just needed to hear that today. So for anyone that doesn't know the beautiful Naomi Jacques and all the things that she's created, perhaps you could give us a little brief background to your family, your upbringing, who you are, and what led you to doing the work you're doing today. Oh, thank you. Yes, as you mentioned, my name is Naomi and I am, um, I'm the founder of Mocho Mama and I have four beautiful children. Um, we had three really jammed in close together. Um, I had three children under three um, and then we had uh, five years where we um, were welcoming our fourth child but we struggled with secondary infertility and that was just a journey all of its own. Um, but the reason why I chose the term Mocho Mama is because I think we... Um, you know, basically, if I look at, you know, all the people in society, I don't know anyone who wants more out of life than mamas. Sometimes it's more time to ourselves. Sometimes it's, um, you know, easy recipes that we can put on the table, you know, night after night after night. Sometimes it's a more organized home, um, more connection with those we love. Um, and so I just sort of thought, you know what, I love that combination of, you know, a mama getting more out of life. Um, and if I sit there and I sort of think back about, you um, what brought me to this point of where I wanted to, um, you know, create and, and bless the world with something. It was definitely a really um, easy, pivotal moment. You know, sometimes some things grow slowly, but this was like, you know, um, a moment that really changed and was a line in the sand um, for me. And that was, um, I was, you know, in that overwhelmed state, like feeling all the feels of just having three children under three and everything that comes with that. And I remember one Friday night, my husband and I sat down and we were wanting to watch some videos. So my eldest was four, my youngest um, little girl at the time was six months old. And I, um, I just remember sitting there and thinking, you know, let's try to have a lovely night by watching some old family videos. So we sat down and we did that. We we're laughing and giggling at how cute they were. And then this one particular video came on and just like tears welled up in my eyes because I felt like I was looking at somebody else. I felt like I was looking at someone who was filled with joy and playful and having such a wonderful time there with their beautiful toddler. Um, and it represented a whole season where I remember, you know, getting, um, you know, produce from the markets and I loved cooking, nourishing food for my family. And um, we were, are really blessed we lived at new farm at the time and we'd walk i'd do an hour long you know walk along the river and i'd feed him at the park and we'd come home and uh, it was just such a really beautiful season and i was like where has that mama gone where is that playful joyful mama you know at this moment i felt like you know overwhelmed to having to put another meal on the table again um and so i just remember thinking 
that was the night that Muchamama was born that I was like, I want to, you know, chase down joy and welcome it back into my life again. I can honestly say to you, many of us will be nodding in agreement <laughs> and realising not only just being a mum, but at different phases mm. and stages in our lives where we do feel like the joy has been sucked out of us or we feel like we're in, you know, groundhog day moment after moment. But life is full of ebb and flow and life does have ups and downs and life does have extremes. So that pivotal moment for you, that moment of seeing a woman on the screen that was completely different to who you were in that moment of witnessing it, what were the feelings that came up? Uh, What was the emotion? What was the, I know you said it was sad, but what else was triggered for you in that moment? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right in that. I think um, sometimes different things can be the catalyst, can't they? Like motherhood often is the catalyst of having us realise that we're feeling overwhelmed. But sometimes it can be a business or there can be so many things that contribute to you getting to that point of overwhelm or feeling like you can't balance and juggle things. Um, For me, I definitely feel in that moment, I just felt, um, yeah, a great sadness and a desire to, um, to welcome that beautiful mama back into my life it wasn't that I had changed I just um I sort of I guess I wondered where the burden of overwhelm had fallen on my shoulders and where and sort of stolen the joy that could be experienced and I think it's really important to um to point out that joy isn't simply happiness joy can be present in the hardest of seasons and so realizing that I didn't have to change any aspect of my life but I could welcome joy back into it was a really pivotal, um, you know, feeling to to realise at that moment and go, you know what, nothing's going to change, but everything's going to change because I'm going to welcome joy back into the picture. Yes, I can, I can truly hear that. The word overwhelm is yeah. something that many of us say, and maybe even blatantly and casually and you know, not even consciously aware that we're saying it or even thinking and feeling it. Mm. So in your discovery of understanding how to bring joy back into our worlds or even how to even recognize that we are overwhelmed, Mm. is it okay to feel overwhelmed in your opinion? Is that normal? And if that's the case, how on earth do we navigate our way through that? Yes, I love this question. It is I think one of the the key things that I learned along the journey into welcoming joy back in was that it was a step-by-step process. It wasn't a giant leap from where I found myself to, um, you know, the next day being that joyful mama again at all. It was um, letting myself have lots of grace, grace for myself, grace for my children, grace for my friendships, grace for my husband, um, and letting it be a really um, step-by-step, small, mindful move um, towards welcoming that back in and letting you know it be a gradual process not wanting it to be some big change but I do feel like it's amazing that when we um, put out to the world that we have a desire to have something happen I love that the world allows that to to um, to come towards us and I remember it was about a week after um I like to term it the watching childhood epiphany. (laughs) Like when I was watching these videos, this epiphany that happened. It was about a week after that, that um, the wonderful Marcus Fierce, I know he's a good friend of yours. He was promoting his Exceptional Life Blueprint. 
um, his live in Byron Bay. And I remember just, you know, with this newfound desire to get joy back, I was like, this would be such a wonderful thing to attend. But, you know, my children were so little um, and it, it just felt like I couldn't justify the time away from my young family. I couldn't justify, you know, the finances. You're taking that away from our family finances. And so I found every reason why I, I couldn't go. But because I put this, you know, desire out into the world, it was like, I don't know if there's any other Alchemist fans out there, but I love that book. Um, And it was like the universe was literally conspiring in my favour and it was three days before the event and somebody um, who was going to attend actually had their ticket um, or they had a job interview come up and they decided they couldn't go, so they wanted to give their ticket and accommodation. And I was like, okay, I'd been following along just like thinking, I just maybe I'll somehow I'll go. And with a humble heart I was like accepted and went along And there was so much knowledge that um, I was able to take home from that incredible event that allowed um, change in my life, but not just any change, but inspired change. Like I was inspired from what I had learned to um, just, I think I I I came back and I decided I'm going to do a little challenge for myself every month. Like I'm just going to, so, you know, one month I think I'd say, I'm going to just do better breakfast. I'm just going to nourish our family better because I'd sort of got um, relaxed on how I wanted to nourish them. And then it might have been, um, you know, I just want to find, you know, how to move my body again because I was a PE teacher, so I loved movement. But then I had sort of neglected that in in that stage of life. And so I try like YouTube classes of adult ballet and, um, you know, all different things and I try to find what I could do to move at home with my family um, in that, that season that I was in. And then I think one thing I really took away was how important social connection was. And in the season of motherhood that I was in, I had totally neglected that. You know, you have, you know, you might catch up with a mum, but you have like disjointed conversations. And you know, after four years of that, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get intentional. So it was quite hilarious. We'd, um, I texted you know, a few of my mum friends. I'm like, right, we're going we're gonna to head out one night a week. And we jam-packed everything we could possibly interconnect. We'd like do a walk along the Brisbane River. We'd have dinner together and then we did a book club because um, we're like, you know, we'll squeeze it all into one night because we can't get out to the next week. Um, and so we just, I just little by little try to build some of these things mindfully filled with grace for whatever would come up and, um, and, and make that not able to happen. But, yeah, I just sort of started to like little by little welcome um, or put rhythms and rituals in place, I guess, that allowed me to welcome joy back into my life. Yeah. <laughs> it's that little steps as you say it's not overwhelm has been proven that in fact when you look at overwhelm and what's overwhelming us when we really name what it is that's causing the overwhelm it has been scientifically proven that it's usually three things plus or minus two so it's actually only three things that are really overwhelming you but because there's lots of other little things it feels like heaps but when you actually acknowledge what are the things that are overwhelming me it's three things plus or minus two that's all (laughs) so it's a classic when you say this because little by little moment by moment choice by choice we can lessen the overwhelm one of the other things that I, I love what you're saying and I'm hearing it mm. is the word seasons because mm. for many of us, we go through different seasons at different phases and stages in our life. Yeah. And I'm just curious as to what you mean by seasons. Yes, well, I think it's really um, seasons is uh, an accepting and resting in a season is has been a really um, important thing for me to acknowledge 
Um, and one way that I like to look at this is um, at the moment, my little two-year-old girl, I, I laugh because I feel like I needed to have the five-year gap just to survive her <laughs> because my other three children, I realised how easy they were. And um, she is absolute delight to our family, but she, um, it's a lot of it. It's a very different journey. I'm getting the whole experience of motherhood in this season with her. Um, and so I look at this particular season that I'm in and she, our other kids just loved their own clothes and they loved sleep and um, she's in our bed and she feels like she's a newborn even though she's like two, like who are you little treasure? Um, and so this season that I'm walking through, um, there's two ways I can look at it. One is that, um, and I have, you know, put out a desire there, you know, one day she's going to sleep happily in her cot and um, not feed so many times through the night. But I have also felt a strong sense to keep her close, to hold her close and nurture through this season. So that's one aspect of it. But the other side of things is um, my relationship with my husband. So usually when the kids would go to bed, we'd have a, you know, a cup of chai together or we'd watch a show or we'd have some time connecting. And I feel like I get baby trapped most evenings. So even though this season I can nurture and nourish myself as I hold her closer a little longer, um, approaching the season of my relationship with my husband has to be different. I can't go, oh, this might be, you know, three years. I can't just put that on pause for three years. So even though it's the same season, I might swap um, and have our kids babysat by another family that we love and, you know, vice versa for them and have some time um, where we wouldn't usually create space um, for that time, but do that so that I can still build connection with him as I walk through the season. So I feel like you can walk through the same season, but you can tackle different aspects of it uniquely. Um, and I feel that's really important to understand that you can um, know when to lean in and, and nurture yourself through a season and know when you have to take immediate change and and start um you know embracing a new way of doing that particular um thing in your life yeah it's so powerful uh, you relationships for stop are, mm-hmm. it's incredible that we all get along that we all actually <laughs> manage to live together create lives together it's phenomenal mm-hmm. so my question to you is in relationship to partners husbands, mm-hmm. people that we truly, you know, are connected with and maybe parents together with, mm-hmm. how would you say or what are the key things or steps or strategies you've taken then through understanding those seasons mm-hmm. on how you can make it work in a really beautiful way? How have you both navigated through this together, this season together? <laughs> yes, it has been, this has probably been the most testing and we didn't realise how easy we had that uh, it was so easy to create that time and space. And this has been um, really, it's highlighted that we need to be intentional about it. So it's good. It's a good um, thing to be, to realize. But yeah, I think the, one of the things that we've done is we've put particular, I love the word rhythms and rituals because they're not um, constraining or overbearing or overwhelming. They don't add to the overwhelm. They sort of allow you to create something that takes place but also allows for grace, you know, for when those things can't happen. So I think the biggest thing we've tried to do is to put a rhythm in place that we regularly have something um, something that takes place to allow us to connect. Um, and we've even, like I've even been a bit intentional about um, like doing sort of asking questions of each other that are a bit deeper because we don't have a lot of time to let that naturally happen. So I'd be like, hey, you know, um, how are you journeying through this, you know, season? Like what what do you need more of? What do I need more of? Um, and actually asking those questions more intentionally than I probably would have in the past because that might have just come up with the, the large amount of time we had. So, yeah, getting intentional about creating rhythms to connect with each other. 
So whether that's, you know, once a month having the kids babysat and just the two of us will go swim out into the ocean. I think that's one of our favourite things to do is just swim out the back, you know, because when your kids are so little, you can't swim out the back waves for a really long time. So, you know, our dream life, um, our dream day together is so simple. It's like swim out the back waves of the ocean, have a beautiful meal together. Um, and then, you know, if we can squeeze in an apple, we are really happy <laughs> because sleep is very lacking so I think you know like realizing that the simple things can be so powerful they don't have to be some incredible um you know date night away like for a whole weekend if that's not the season you're in just realizing you know what makes you both come alive and how can we create time and space for that to happen as frequently as can um you know occur in your the constraints you have for your particular um journey at the moment powerful but also really important to recognize here that this is a work in progress, that this is a conscious awareness of creating these opportunities to question. And if we are in overwhelm or if we're stressed or if we're not feeling at our best or maybe at our healthiest, then the conscious intentions and the awareness of how we speak to the people we love and the awareness of what we say to the people we love can quite simply go out the window. Yes. And then you may show that in front of your beautiful children. Mm -hmm. And what many parents seem to forget is that you are their greatest role models. So one thing that a beautiful counsellor and um, one of our therapists said to us was when we were going through a challenging time was your job is not to tell your children everything you're going through. They've got their own lives and journeys. That's what friends and therapists and other you know, people and relationships in your life are for. Mm. But your job is to literally show your children how to get through a challenging time. Mm. And you use the word grace and you know, it is, it takes massive self-awareness, massive um, commitment to being an adult <laughs> um, when you're tired, exhausted, fatigued, overwhelmed, stressed, all of those things. What would you say has been the key for you to become consciously aware of how you have these conversations and discussions, especially in front of your children? Yeah, well, one of the things that um, we have done probably for two years now, which I just love, and that is having a family meeting. And it sounds like a little bit boring, but it has been um, really life changing for our whole family. So we every Sunday, um, we come together around the table and I if anyone wants to embrace family meetings and I say lollipops are a really good way to do that <laughs> don't try do them without lollipops with young children um so yeah everyone has a lollipop I try sometimes I try by healthy ones sometimes I'm like shepherd shops everyone for everyone um but sometimes I love the the honey a lollipop you can get from the, the whole food store and things so they also last longer so that's good um yeah we just go around and we share um we used to share what we loved about like something we appreciated or valued in every person of the family. And then um, I think it's also important to realise that when you are establishing new rituals or rhythms, that it's okay to adjust and tweak them. It's important to adjust and tweak them. It's also important to realise that when it's not going well, that you don't give up, that you go, well, this isn't much fun, but I can see that it will be really worthwhile. So you keep pushing through even though it's difficult. So, um, yeah, we go, so we tweaked it and we went, okay, let's just draw a name out of a hat and we would speak over that person, what we um, valued and appreciated about them. So that was a really important um, way to start the meeting. So we were speaking like positive and, you know, like things that we loved about that person. So it created a, a space of, you know, nurture at the start. And then we um, would talk about any 
problems that we came up and everybody has like equal footing at the table so the kids can say i don't like that you won't ever let us play video games for more than half an hour a week or whatever they can come up with they can suggest anything just like we can as parents like we you know the bedtime rhythm is not really working for us like what and, and everybody's responsible to solve the problem and we have a time frame of 20 minutes so we can't be wasting a lot of time um and they actually have their pocket money uh the only thing they get pocket money for is for being a part of this family meeting so they get um the half of their age is how we do our kids pocket money and so um, for being an active participant in this meeting and solving every problem that comes up they they earn their pocket money so they, we do jobs in our family but they don't get money for that they just they just do that because they're part of our family team um yeah so we go around and we we suggest pro- um, problems we solve them together um and then like we i love it because they when they come up with the solution it, they actually start to do it. they're like oh i think we could do this at bedtime and and it works that week we're like we've noticed it's so much better than if we just tell them we're going to do this and you have to do this at bedtime we find when they're involved in that journey and that process it really helps um it be a smooth and effective way of them wanting to embrace and, and hold it um, and we have the consequence, like, you know, if this doesn't happen, what, what do you think could be the consequence? And um, often the kid will know their, they all know their pain, but they're like, well, if you do this, then um, that would be the consequence. And they know what, more than if we even tried to think it up, we're like, wow, I wouldn't have thought of that, but that will work really well for you. Um, and so, yeah, we love um, having the family meeting and then we end it with just looking at our calendar um, and looking at what's coming up that week, you know, who, who, what sporting commitments might, you know, have training and what, you um, presentations might need to be happening for the kids or what you know what things that we have so this week you know I'm coming and meeting with you all the kids were um you know they're aware of that and they want to support and, and allow that to be something that they're a part of um sending me off to do it in for this time so yeah family meetings has been um really important and also apologizing when we've got it wrong as parents you know we apologize and like hey you know we weren't as patient we weren't as kind at bedtime as we could have been as well and like and owning it when we get it wrong so that they know that they can do the same and that we are humans will get it wrong and I think that has been like probably one of the biggest things that has allowed them to see our humanity and to not feel like um you know we sort of call ourselves like the coaches and they're the the team players and so yes we do have a role to to guide and lead them but they also have a really important place and responsibility in our family to help it run smoothly and and that sort of thing so yeah (laughs) it's beautiful and i i can tell you these are all rituals that that we've embodied in our family and they have really worked and it wasn't until the other day my children are now 20 two and 24 but my beautiful son has has gone to live in New Zealand uh chasing his dream of being a professional rugby player and we had friends with us and Jacob was texting me and just saying really beautiful things and and our friend that was with us said he what and what he just texted you that and I thought oh I thought it was normal that 22 year old boys will send you texts and tell you that they love you and thank you for everything and all of these things And I realized from a young age, we have always celebrated our wins as a family. We've had Sunday meetings. We've done champion challenge nights. What's your champion moment for the week? What's your challenge for the week? Is there anything that we can offer and support? And we're not allowed to fix it. So it's only if they ask the question that they need help because most of the time, most of us just want to share what's going on because we all 
probably have the answer within. It's just nice to have a situation where we can be safely held while we share that. So, you know, I think the power of parenting and looking at it as a team, we also called ourselves the awesome foursome. <laughs> and so there was just all these fun things. And I realized actually listening to you how much that made my role as a parent and the primary caregiver, because Danny was away so much, so much more empowering. So would you say then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a little bit, I read the book, The Barefoot Investor, and he talked about having family meetings around money and pocket money and things like that. And obviously having Sunday catch-ups, I can't remember exactly what he called them. But I think this simple strategy Mm. is something that many parents think they don't have time for or don't make time for. But if you don't make time to come together, then the time will come when no one wants to be together. Mm. So how are you as a team managing four children as the coaches, how do you spread yourselves to allow each child to feel that they are as important as the next person, mm. that they actually hold a very important place in the family? Is mm. there any distinctions or things that you're doing around honouring everyone's individuality and differences? Yes, definitely. Um, I want to jump to that, but I just loved what you said in when you, because you're getting the fruit of the beautiful things you put in place. I'm like, yes, because that's why, that's why rhythms and rituals are so beautiful, aren't they? Because they allow the fruit to come later and you don't know when they're going to need to have um, that rich connection established so they can hear you speak that over their lives or vice versa that, you know, your beautiful son speaking that back over your life is what you, you know, like would nourish and nurture you in that moment. So establishing those rhythms and rituals so that they can beckon them home because they love those Friday night meals together or whatever. Like I just love um, that you're getting to enjoy the fruit. You know, you can see all of the effort that we're putting in now. I'm like, oh, it, it, it pays off. <laughs> like because sometimes it's hard, but, you know, it's beautiful to know that it will pay off. Um, in years to come it's a blessing now too but sometimes it can be filled with blessing and like this is a bit exhausting (laughs) so it's lovely hearing about how it um, unfolds in the future but yes I'm definitely getting intentional about um, spending that time we have a little bit of a um, and this was uh, there's a guy who is he's really his passion is family teams and one of the things that he does is when he wants to um, he gets you to sort of think about what your, your family pillars are. So for us, it's, you know, um, in our family and we love, uh, Star Wars, our kids, funny, my husband and I never watched it ourselves, but it's funny when your kids embrace and get you to like, you know, become your thing. So Star Wars is now our family thing, even though we, it wasn't our thing prior to having children. Um, so we've watched them all and we love um, The Mandalorian. You know how it talks about the way. So we, we have our family, this is the way we say. So sometimes if we need to, you know, discuss something that's happened, whether it's, you know, a great thing we're celebrating or something challenging, we go, what's our family way? This is the way. Um, and so we'll look at, you know, our family is truthful, our family is um, helpful, our family is kind, our family is respectful. And I can't remember all the rest of them, but if we're having a problem, we'll go, hey, which of our family ways have not been honoured at the moment? Um, and then they can say, you know, oh, I wasn't kind when I did this. And then they can, you know, what could you do differently next time? They'll apologise to their um, their sibling. But so that's, you know, get clear on your um, family values, um, you know, your way. And then one of the things that he says is, where, like, have a little, um, a little jar for each child. And when you notice those 
things being upheld beautifully like try to find the positives rather than going oh you didn't uphold that one like we do use that as a like you know way to beautifully negotiate the moment but you know look for when they did show beautiful respect when they were quick to listen and helpful when you needed it and so looking at all those moments and you go hey i really appreciated that you were so kind in that moment you know when that when your brother was struggling and he um wanted that ice block or whatever and you i know you would have wanted it too but you chose to get him that's beautiful like can you just pop a bead in the jar so and they get to 25 beads and they get a date with mum or dad. Um, they get to choose who they go with as well because they, you know, um, I spend a lot of time with them. And so sometimes they're like, oh, we just want to go with daddy and do this. And we had two boys and two girls. So our littlest is two, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old. So the two eldest are boys. And so, yeah, they just get to um, choose whatever they love. So whatever makes them um, come alive. And it, it's actually highlighted that our um, our second born, our middle boy, he, uh, it's, we don't know as much about what he loves because we're like, you know, we can suggest a few things for the other two really easily. We're like, what, what would he, you know, what would Jesse love to do? And so it's actually been a really wonderful opportunity. You know, I know my sister, I was the youngest, but my sister who's a middle child, you know, she struggled with feeling like, you know, you don't get noticed. And he's a, by nature just a really easygoing kid. So it's been beautiful to go, oh, let's get intentional about what he loves and make sure that he gets that one-on-one -on -one time with one of us, whoever he chooses to do those activities. I think um, they went ice skating or, you know, just mountain biking or whatever they want, but they get that one-on-one -on -one quality time and they get to know that they get to choose what it is. Um, it used to be, you know, they could choose other things and they might be like, oh, a friend coming over and we, we decided we wanted to bring it back and, and tweak it to be in connection with us because we wanted to, that to grow. So, yeah, that's sort of what we do to get that one-on-one -on -one time while juggling all four of them. <laughs> the youngest one doesn't get many beads. <laughs> yet, yet. She'll, she'll make her mark. Yeah. Um, so when you, you, you just said then that, 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 the, that they're different, but I, I just want to reiterate again, because a family of four, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. I heard this that, you know, you you have one child it's like man your world is in an upheaval you have two children it's like how the heck how much better and e not better but how much easier was it with one child maybe how much better you managed yourself yeah. with one <laughs> then you have two and then I've heard because I haven't had more than two children once you have three it's like have three have five have ten it doesn't yeah. really matter once you get to three <laughs> tell me how that has worked for you by having more children and again how have you noticed their individuality or their different personalities and particularly around maybe discipline or maybe how you bring them into awareness of what the values of this family means to uphold yes um so yeah definitely three was a massive uh, catalyst pivotal moment for me I think entering into Obama, I think I could juggle to because they were so easy. Like I only realized this by having my fourth child, how easy they were. I'm like, oh, well, I just didn't really get the whole experience of um, tiredness because they just were like very by their own leading, very easy sleepers. So I never had feel, felt that real deep um, tiredness before. So I really love that I have my fourth child because I actually um, am able to understand better the journey of people with um you know sleep deprivation and because I didn't experience with my first two they were just from from very early on they just loved their sleep and I was like oh this is you know easy juggle but my third child um definitely was the tipping point where I was like I cannot handle this I, I realized that's when the overwhelm just I could not um no matter how much I could organize and do this it just there wasn't enough that I could do to not feel um like there was 
too much responsibility that I couldn't handle it in um, what I was the way that I was currently um, navigating it and anyway, without putting different rhythms and rituals in place. And so I think that was for me that you know that that realization like I'm not liking who like who I am. I'm not liking that I'm not you know happy and kind and enjoying all the things that were my responsibility at that point. Like I needed to put food on the table and I didn't want to keep begrudging you know going oh what can I put on again? Like I wanted to actually get back and enjoy that again. So for me, I definitely um, found. Uh, letting the kids come and join wherever possible. And that was really hard. My husband was much better at that than I was. He would always cook with them. And so quite early on, I think it was probably when my um, eldest was five, he could do the scrambled eggs and mushrooms like for a breakfast together almost by himself. Like my husband would hang in the kitchen, but he was really um, became quite proficient at doing that. So welcoming them into, and and when I'd watch my husband do it, I'd be like, oh, okay, I need to do that more too. I need to welcome them in because I don't have time to do it without them so I need to welcome them into the process and that that goes for um things like folding their clothes and so it probably from five on we um we sort of have you know vacuuming folding the clothes and um emptying the dishwasher as their rotational jobs and if there's clothes to be picked in they get them in sort them out and then they fold their own um and that was a really pivotal moment like being able to um offload things that sometimes we think oh no we have to do and yes you have to like relax your standards <laughs> you have to go yeah that those are folded like put them in your drawer um but as long as you know the job is done and they they um we sort of do things to try help them uh make their standard as high as possible for their age appropriate um but we would just release that and let them go pop them away and then that was so yeah learning ways to welcome them into the tasks that I thought were my responsibility was a really important aspect and now I love it that my 12 year old son like he is like he makes homemade falafels from scratch and he he does them better than me when I try to do them they fall apart when I put them in and I'm like come in make these falafels please like I'm yeah so watching them um have that beautiful opportunity and then flourish in it um and learn to um yeah like he's like mama I want to you know he'll I'll get a cookbook and he'll be like looking through it, things he wants to make I'm like yeah you should definitely make that one <laughs> um yes yeah, so that's been beautiful to um yeah go through the hard part of welcoming them in and then get the beauty of um having them uh, become accomplished at some of those tasks so powerful because most of us get so busy and we just know that we'll do it quicker and easier and whatnot, but we don't realize how much we're robbing them of the opportunity to learn and grow. And I'd, I'd love to ask your thoughts on this then. So there, there seems to be a lot of, you know, domestic violence, one in two, maybe one in three marriages end in divorce. There's a lot of relationship breakups. There's a lot of lacking of self-worth and you know I say this with absolute love and respect in my heart but one of the things that has been brought to my attention through different realms of research is that we as parents have to take responsibility for a lot of the ways that our children grow so if we're a mum that smothers our kids or we're a dad who is overprotective or whatever for the child to find their space and place on this planet, mm. they often will go to the complete extreme in order to find their new commonality or common ground or neutrality. So how do you think 
and again, I, I'm not sure if we can can answer this. I'm not a scientist, and I certainly don't have the research in front of me. But it's a pretty big insight you're you're talking about here, because if we're doing everything for our sons, for instance, they're going to be looking for a woman that's going to do everything for them. Mm. If we don't allow our daughter to go out because we're fearful of what could happen, we may be leading her down a pathway of promiscuity just because she doesn't know or understand the boundaries. I'm not saying take the blame for this. Mm. And I'm certainly not saying that us as parents don't give our best to do our best to honor our best. Mm. But do you think there's some truth in that? And do you feel then as a parent, that responsibility seems even bigger, but therefore more important to allow our children to grow into who they are meant to be? No, definitely. I think that's one of my um, the things that I feel most passionate about is allowing your kids to realise that they were created for a purpose and that as our, our only responsibility as their parents, I feel like, I think I heard a podcast the other day and it was talking about, you know, what you're given in your life to steward. So, you know, time, people, gifts and talents. And I loved when I started to think, oh, I'm just giving my children to steward, like to literally go, they're entrusted to me for me to go, what were you created to do? They're not actually mine in any other way than to learn how to go. I think you were created for this. I think this is what I see shine in you. How can I support you into stepping into that? And I feel like when you when you believe and you hold that to be true, you approach parenting them so differently. And when I was talking about the, um, I like I am, like I just am such a fan of rhythms and rituals. And one of the, um, so we have a beautiful um, weekly um, ritual of having a Friday night dinner together. So we'll have, um, my husband and I, we love traveling through Italy and we were in the, his name is Trent. And so when we we're in the, the town of Trento, which we, we sort of loved, we had this most, like it was the best meal I've ever had in my life. It was pasta melzana. So it was like eggplant pasta. And so I, like the next night we were there two nights. I'm like, I have to go back to that restaurant. Like I, we were with a group and I was like, I don't mind if just Trent and I go back to that restaurant, but I can't eat anywhere else. That was so good. I must eat that at least tw- twice in my life. So we went home, we tried to best replicate it. And it's one of the kids' favorite meals as well. So we make up this meal. Um, actually, my son has just moved into this, making this meal. I'm like, oh, I've almost, you know, completed my life goal of him being able to make this meal for me. Um, and so we'll have this meal and we'll have beautiful salad with it and we'll have um, sparkling grape juice in little cups. And, you know, we just enjoy this time together. But once a month, we used to do it each week and it became a less of a blessing and more of a burden. And so, again, like we just tweaked it. We went, this is not really working. This feels like um, it's not blessing our family. How can we? alter it so we went to once a month we do like a beautiful foot washing ceremony and so we put um polenta like I'd gone to a few of the you know mother blessings so we put polenta and I even put some like little rose petals and stuff in the polenta and then we have a beautiful bowl of water and we put some essential oils in it so we have like myrrh and frankincense and things that really represent um sort of uh anointing and transitioning and we just use it as an opportunity to bless on our children um, and to to remind them they, that they are created for something and that they can step into that. So we use the plenty to like to scrub off and we just, we have it as a time that they can talk about anything in that last month that might have happened that they didn't like, that, that was hard for them. And it's like a scrubbing away of that. Um, and then, you know, a washing away and uh, like a new fresh start for the next month. 
And what I love, you know, when I was talking to you a little bit before about how, you know, you get the fruit of that, you know, we may not see the beauty and the benefit of this. Like it's lovely as a, as a ritual itself, but we may not see the blessing and benefit for years to come. But, you know, when one of our children might be going through a really hard time and they can talk about it because we've created a time and space to do so, or they can, um, even if they don't talk about it, even if they don't want to talk about it, but they get the experience of just the healing from scrubbing something away and moving into a new month and going, that is behind me now, even if they have to do that internally, but hopefully they can talk to us about it. Um, we just love creating a time and a space to do that. And they love it. Like um, their dad like puts the moisturizer at the end and we've created a little, um, a little sort of blessing that we read over them, just saying what their name means. So for our little girl, her name means, her name's Stella. So he, she means star. And we just say how we, you know, you're created to shine bright and we'll um, have, you know, any of the kids say what they've loved about watching her grow that month. And the same for all the other children. We talk about what their name means and why we, um, you know, as parents that we are so grateful we have them to help step into their role and what they're created for. Um, and then we just, you know, that it's beautiful in itself, but we know that in years to come it'll be speaking a truth over their life that they need to hear in a different way. And we just, yes, we love creating opportunities for that connection to build by putting things like that in place. So powerful. But I've got to ask you this, Naomi. <laughs> do you lose your shizzle? Do you shout? Do your oh, yes. husband and you argue? <laughs> do you have moments where all the kids lose their shizzle and everything's just, please tell us that there's oh, moments yes. of chaos. There is moments of chaos. There was moments of chaos in, it was actually when I was pregnant with um, our fourth baby that I did um, some beautiful uh, sort of um, like I can't remember the term, she, like it's a uh, emotion like work and she was like, you need to do a beautiful anointing over all your children and this child. So this is how this rhythm came about. She's like, this is what you need to do. I was like, oh, I've never heard of this before. So I went and looked at it and I did it with all the kids and it was lovely. I just did it with one-on-one -on -one with each child because I'd never done it before. And I was like, oh, that's really lovely. Maybe we could embrace this as a family. Um, and then it was like rubbish for the next three or, you know, like it was, we tried to do it weekly and it was just like everyone, no one wanted to do it. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what am I? I thought it was fun the first time. I thought they'd love it. It was, yeah, it was terrible. And I, we just had to, yeah, keep tweaking and adjusting. Um, and it was probably only in the, like it's been, she's two years old, so it's been two years that we've been, um, tweaking and adjusting and doing this and it's probably only in the last couple of months where it's been like oh I love this like this is beautiful other than that it was like just keep persevering like you know two of them would love it this one would just you know, <laughs> don't touch my feet okay like um you know we let them choose and we're like you know that's okay you don't have to do that you know whatever reason they weren't wanting to experience that but now they all the last couple of months, they've all loved it and they've all, and I'm like, I'm so glad I persevered. I'm so glad I didn't give up. And, you know, there's moments in that you're like, just put your feet in the palette and let me scrub it. Um, because you're like, why wouldn't you like this? Yeah, so there's definitely, um, it's not, like it's lovely when you hear it described. But, yeah, I definitely am massive on saying, you know, as you establish family rhythms, push through. Like if you can see that there will be blessing to come from it, then push through because you will get there and it will be messier to do it, but it's really worth pushing through. But, yeah, no, it's it's not all our rose petals in polenta, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pleased to hear it, it with love. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just know that, you know, I always 
always wanted our children to sit down when they ate and just take a breath and say a beautiful grace or blessing and we hold hands when we do it. And there were times when the kids would go, oh, really, especially if the two of them had had an argument or something, and I'd just persevere and say, well, we can't eat until until we've said thanks, you know, and, and acknowledge the chef me or acknowledge um the food that's being blessed to be put on our table and I mean I guess what you're saying really is to be mindfully grateful for all things there are so many parents out there that are in an overwhelmed stress state maybe finances are putting a lot of pressure on people as well and particularly through these last few years how have you helped your children through the stress and fears of COVID and how have you um, enabled them to get through this without fear? I think, um, like you said before, it's modelling. It's you modelling how you're going to nurture and nourish yourself that they will follow more than anything you say. So I think um, choosing at times when it wasn't easy, you know, there might be a kid that's a bit sad that you're going to go out with your friends um, and, you know, saying, you know, I love you. I'm going to go out because mummy matters too. Like I, that's a little term that I love to you, like mummy matters too. So I know this is hard for you, but I love you. But if I don't take care of myself, I'm not going to be able to take care of you, our family or anything as well. So I think modelling has been a really um, important aspect of them going, oh, this is how you take care of yourself. This is how mum does it. This is how dad does it. Um, and this is how, you know, we will follow and take care of ourselves as well. I think modelling has been a really um, big aspect of that. And I like, I know that um, it's, you know, said a lot, you know, people talk about, you know, don't give from an empty cup. Um, And I love in um, like my Chasing Joy Masterclass that I've created, the last module is all on overflow. I, I term it overflow only. And the reason I do that is because I want people not to just think of their cup being full, but I want it to be like, you literally only give from what's overflowing from your cup. So if it's, you know, if you want to serve your work, if you want to serve your family, if you want to serve your friends and your relationship, if you want to serve those things, you must take care of yourself. It's not an option. It's not like it has to be oh, sort of getting up to the top. It has to be like literally overflowing because then when you serve people from that overflow, then you're not, um, you're not doing that in, at the expense of yourself. So I think having the kids watch me model, um, nurturing and nourishing myself, even when it's hard, um, and that's um, since third term last year, I've homeschooled the kids and I'd, I always had a head on my heart to try, but I, um, you know, they'd always loved school and been, you know, and I, we were in a really difficult situation. So I was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to, while um, my little girl's at home and I couldn't do some relief teaching or whatever, I was like, I'm going to um, bring them home. So I, and we love it. Like it's actually been a real gift to our family having so much time together but um, it's been, it's meant that I've had to go, right, what do I really value? Like, look at the things that I value. So movement is a catalyst for me. If I'm going to have a life that is flowing well, I'm going to have to move. And I was like, I'm going to have to move with four children. Like this is, so, you know, I prioritize like twice a week, we go to Burley Headland and we walk with all the three kids and it wasn't fun. Like it was really hard. They'd be like, oh, I don't want to go. I'm like, mummy matters too. Pop your joggers on, we're going to get in the car. So we go and we do the walk. And now they have all rested into that. They learn better when they come home because they move their bodies too. Um, you know, I give little crackers to my little girl who's on the ergo baby on my back, you know, but we make it work because I know it's important. You know, when they're having breakfast, I put my something in front of my little girl and then I do like a hit workout um, in the lounge room. Like I just, I, I know it's important, so I make sure that happens. So I look at what is essential to bring me 
um, living from a place of that I can serve, that I'll have things overflowing, and I make sure that those happen. And I have really, it's really made me um, have boundaries and go, I can't do more than that. Like I can't do what I used to do because I've I've got to make sure these things are in place so that I have the energy to do what I need to do to serve my family, my um, you know, like my commitments, my desires, and what I've been gifted to. Like I've got a real heart for helping mum step out of overwhelm. And if I want to do those things, and sometimes I have to say no to things that once I would have said yes to, but getting clear on those boundaries and modeling um you know them seeing me do the hit workout even when my little girl's crawling my back and or, or asking them hey do you reckon you could distract her upstairs for like five minutes while I finish this off or trying to make sure that I uh, keep those things in place despite um all the challenges that I might be coming up against so so you really are saying don't become a martyr to being a parent don't become uh, a mummy martyr a daddy martyr and then almost put the blame on the kids for them causing your stress fatigue and anxiety um so how did you protect them then through is that why you took them out of school to stop the conversations around COVID or fears or what, like talk to me a little bit more about how you've managed because a 12 year old knows what's going on a 12 year old can see so I'm I'm curious to, as to how you helped them navigate through this with other people's opinions. Yeah, so we were very, um, I was pregnant at the time as COVID was unfolding and I, um, yeah, I, I, I researched and I tried to understand as much as I could and I didn't fear, I think them watching me not fear um, things myself, like just going, right, you know, what can we do to make sure that we are as healthy? We, um, you know, when, when, we, when they were at school and they had, like they had to learn from home, we would go to the beach and make sure we're getting vitamin D. So we did, we put things in place so we could have conversations say like, you know, yes, um, this is, you know, like a possibility of, you know, catching COVID or whatever, but what can we do to be healthy so that either we don't catch it or if we do that we um, are so robust and strong that our immune system is able to fight it effectively. So to have conversations around that was really important. Um, we didn't necessarily take them out of school. It was sort of a bit of a catalyst in that um, it was more of financial reasons. I, I wasn't able to relief teach like I'd hoped once all the kids were in school. My littlest started school. And I was like, yes, I'll be able to um, really. We knew it was going to be a bit tight having our last child, but I was like, oh, we'll have this beautiful um, season where I can work a lot um, and have this beautiful buffer. And that didn't um, actually take place. I wasn't able to work. Schools closed down in March and I'd only worked for probably like two weeks. Um, but then I took that as a beautiful blessing in itself. I was like, you know, I I haven't had much time to myself. So to rest for that period was lovely. Um, and then I couldn't, um, I I lost my maternity leave that was, I was a hundred hours short, you know, that there was just, but I, I also realized, you know, I love my friend. She often says the obstacle is the way. And I was like, you know what, this is an obstacle. What is the way forward? And I'm so grateful that we embraced trying this because the kids just, um, love it. They learn so beautifully. We found um, curriculums that really work for our situation. And so I feel like sometimes when things come up that are difficult, if you can go, okay, this is really hard um, and you can embrace um, a new way of looking at it for that season, I think that's really important. And have conversations. Yeah, I had lots of conversations with them about, um, yeah, just the the mindset that, that you want to take as you as you journey through Anything you come up against, that's a challenge. And, you know, COVID and the impacts that it had. We were lucky living on the Gold Coast. We were able to, you know, get to the beach a lot um, and enjoy a very healthy um, lifestyle during that time. We sort of weren't um, locked down too much in regards to what we could and couldn't do. So, yeah, we just really embraced um, healthy eating, healthy living, moving, 
um, connecting, uh, you know, as much as we could with with friends. For me, I'm a bit of an introvert, so I um, actually reveled in the opportunity to not have to go out so much um, and just like spend lots of time together as a family. Um, yeah, and just and then catch up where we could, the way that we could with people, and just keep those connections. Um, yeah, and I love speaking to the kids about what um, what I've learned and what ma- what brings me strength and power, and you know, letting them think, you know, what which of those would be beneficial to you. You know, they might be a different personality, but which of those do you want to embrace and make sure that happens in your life, and so that you can live a life, you know, filled with power and and joy as well. You have to survive. We have to pay bills. We have to, you know, have money as a as an energetic and physical exchange for, you know, products and services. So does your husband work full time? Is that how it works for you? Yeah, so he um, is a physio. And so while I couldn't work with my little baby being so little, yeah, so he um, he is the provider for our family, so to speak. But I love that the kids, as I have... Um, let um which of my grow and evolve i love that they i think i've got videos of my little boy you know because i'd make a little a little video and he might you know be there playing in the park while i'd make it and he'd be like i'm much too hurry like you know watching him emulate and um and seeing them you know it sort of grew so organically and for such a long period of time but just letting them see that even um, when this wasn't something that i you know had created a beautiful course that i could offer to the world even when it was something simple as just knowing that when I talked to so many mums that were struggling with a similar thing, but I was like, well, I'm just going to create a little page and let them know that the challenge that I'm doing for myself that month. And if they want to, you know, if they're struggling with that too and they want to join me, they can. Just seeing that um, I was intentional about letting people come along for the journey, I think um, was a really beautiful thing for them to see that you can serve uh, where there's monetary gain, you can serve where there's not, um, and to honour that calling in your life even when it's it doesn't have a financial um aspect to it for a long time um and then I just sort of felt like um a real you know placement on my heart to go right you've learned all of this and there's so many people struggling like I'd read you know some forums would be like oh these poor mums like I don't want them to struggle with that um and so yeah I just was like oh, right, I'm going to create I'm going to take these um beautiful tools and techniques and strategies and rhythms and rituals I'm going to put them into something that people can um you know listen to but the the course is definitely all about um individualizing it for you so it's not going oh I'm going to do all of these things and I'm going to get joy back because what brings me joy is very different to what somebody else will receive joy from so it's getting really clear on the core values and then individualizing them for your own life because your life and the joy that you want to have reestablished will be very different. The, the, um, what makes your life a life of joy will be different to me. So allowing people to individualize that is a really important aspect um, that I love about the Chasing Joy Masterclass too. Let's just talk a little bit about this class that you're offering, the Chasing Joy Masterclass. And yes, you've just mentioned all things that you've learned that you've put into here. Just can you explain to us a little bit about the launch and about what's involved or what's offered in that program? Yeah, so um, the program is really um, a beautiful framework that allows you to, first of all, like capture a vision of what your joy-filled life looks like. So what does bedtime look like? What does, when you're connecting and catching up with your friends, what does your kid's behaviour look like? What do you, how do you feel after you finish eating a meal? Um, You know, do you nourish yourself well? Um, How do you speak to yourself? How do you speak to others? So looking at all different aspects of life and receiving how your life would look if it was filled with joy. 
And it's very difficult. Like, there's no sort of set perfect way that it should look. It's just what would bring you joy when you look at all those aspects? What, what would life um, be like if it was joy-filled for you? And then from that, um, there's a fine line of going, it's really important to remember that there's grace and that it's not about striving. Like I love sharing with people who journey through and saying, it's not about you striving to get the joy back because that's not what joy, um, that's not how it works. And that's certainly not what it's about. It's about knowing that you, the reason why you have that joy-filled life in your heart, even if you look at your life now and go, well, the joy-filled life that I, you know, I might record down on this piece of paper, it's nothing what I'm currently walking through. To realise that if it's placed in your heart, you need to trust and know that it's placed there because you were created for it. And so, yes, you might have to do some inner work to, um, you know, there might be things that are blocking you from receiving it that you need to do inner work to, um, to overcome those blocks. There might be strategies you put in place and actions, you know, inspired action that you take that allows that joy-filled life to come to you but it's not about striving. It's about putting those things in place and then resting. And I love, um, I love visualization. I love taking time each day to have a really clear picture of that joy-filled life and to receive it to go, this, you know, I'm receiving my children going to bed, um, you know, with, you know, a beautiful connection with me, or I'm receiving, um, you know, our meal time being a time of peace and like nourishing food that's not um, rejected by someone who's like, this is disgusting. I hate this meal. So, you know, like the, picturing that and receiving that if it's in your heart to have a life like that, it's because you were created for it and you can welcome, you can consciously welcome that into your life and then do the inner work to allow it to come in and then put things in place. So you don't have to strive for it that you can. There's so much grace needed as you welcome this through it back into your life. Um, and then the, the last module is all like, I just, I love focusing on overflow only. So going, what um, self-care rhythms do you need to put in place that allow you to have your cup just overflowing so you can serve people because you won't be able to, if you're not making sure that your cup is just flowing over. So yeah, there's all that sort of the course in a nutshell, so to speak. But yeah, I just love helping people learn how to nourish their bodies, to move their bodies, to connect with um, not only their own family, but other connections with, um, you know, other families to make sure that you're having rich life lived with a social community is really important. Yeah. So just taking people on that journey is my heart's greatest um, passion and desire. Can you tell us for the person driving, listening, running or walking, uh, listening to this, where, where they go to find this course? Yeah, so you can um, jump over to my muchamama.com.au and you can, um, there's a section there that has all of the uh, learning opportunities, so all of the courses that I offer and you can go to Chasing Joy Masterclass and if you click on that, it'll have all the information to um, understand it in greater depth. And you can, um, yeah, come and join and get your mum and my joy back because you were created to live a life of joy. Um, and if I can help you get there, it would be my greatest honour. <laughs> oh, well, you do it beautifully and you're an amazing role model. I just want to reiterate for those of you that can't write it down right now, but what your mama is M-U-C-H-O-M-A-M-A.com.au. I'll put it all in the show notes. And you have a very beautiful um, gift for the beautiful listener, haven't you? 
Yes, I would love to offer um, all of the beautiful self-love podcast listeners um, a code that um, if you um, put that in, it'll allow the price to be reduced. Usually the, the course um, sells for $199, but I'd love to offer it to all of you for $159. So um, you can step in and make that change and welcome joy back in exchange it for overwhelm because you were not created to live um, a life of overwhelm. You were created to live a life filled with joy. Um, and I'd love to invite you to do that and, and to you know support you and nurture you as you make that change. Well, the beautiful code self-love will be in there and I want to thank you. And I also think that really what you're saying is if you gift this to yourself, if you honor yourself with the grace and time, the investment and the energy, that is really a true act of self-love. What is your definition of self-love? Yes, so I feel like there's two aspects. There's the overflow only aspect that I've mentioned before where I think um, self-love needs to come from a place of nurturing and taking care of yourself, but it also is holding a belief that you were created to live a life of joy and not thinking that you should be living this life of overwhelm. Like if you're accepting the life of overwhelm that you're experiencing, thinking I've just got to get through until it stops, then that's not self-love. Self-love is saying I was created for a joy-filled life and I am going to put out to the world that I want to receive that and then trust that the people and the resources will come to me that allow that transformation to take place. Um, yeah, so to receive it and to believe it is really an essential part of, I think, the self-love journey. That's oh, so powerful. Do you know many years ago I remember having a client who came to me? Actually, it was two clients. First client came in, this is before I had children, and was talking about teenagers and just what a drag they were and how opinionated they were and self-centered and just rude and disrespectful and all these things. And I remember when she left thinking, wow, kind of dread having teenagers. Yeah. And there's no accident that the next client I was working with she was sitting there and she just said, you know what I love most? The age I love the most are teenagers. And I just went, sorry? And she goes, oh, they're just so independent. They're just so honest with their thoughts and their feedback. They are so self-focused that they actually can't see anything other than the viewpoint that they have. They call it as it is. They have their own moods and it's beautiful to watch them find out who they are. And I've never forgotten it that I could not believe I had these two clients, one after the other, and talk about two different viewpoints. And I feel like you are bringing us home to realizing that we were put on this planet to create a life of joy, that life is a gift. It is a blessing. It is the most wonderful thing. And yes, there are challenges. Yes, there's moments where we may be brought to our knees or on our bathroom floor or going through, like you said, a challenge of, you know, infertility or going through challenges of, you know, whatever it is with our children or our partner or work or finances, all of these are a part of life. And so as we come to the close of this amazing interview, Knowing that the person that listens to the self-love podcast is someone who really is on a journey of self-inquiry, curiosity, understanding how to live a better life or best life, what would be your final words of advice to this beautiful listener? I would definitely love to um, remind you that the heaviness or whatever you're carrying because I feel like the journey that I had 
um, to find joy was so perfectly positioned before I journeyed through secondary infertility, having that framework and that strength and that power to allow me to walk through that with joy. And so many people, you know, watched me and supported and nurtured me through that time. And they're like, how are you doing it like this? And I'm like, I think what I learned through the overwhelm of having my beautiful three children and juggling all of that, it really allowed me to embrace joy despite my circumstances or within my circumstances so well that I didn't lose hope. It was a it was a very difficult five years. It wasn't. I cannot sugarcoat it. I'm so grateful for the lessons I learned, but I'd never choose to walk through it. But I'm so grateful for what I learned as I walked through it and the the richness um, that I exited that season through. Um, but I um, am yeah. I just believe with all my heart that whatever you're carrying, whatever struggle or burden, that there is a way to navigate through that. So you can move through that and you can um, definitely live the life of joy that you might feel that is without of your reach. It's not without of your reach. You can definitely not, not without your reach, not um, out of your reach. That's what I meant to be saying. It's not out of your reach. It's definitely able to be um, stepped into. And so don't think that any circumstance or any struggle that you're um, carrying will stop you or inhibit you from the life that you were created for. Oh, it's so beautiful. One of the things I always love to check in with at the very end is to see if you have a favourite quote or if you would be up for sharing a favourite quote of yours. Oh, yes, I do. I was the uh, teenager who would spend that. Yeah, I remember my late high school and my early uh, university, like I would literally be the one who would write my favourite quotes out in a journal on a Saturday night. So you've uh, asked the right person, choosing which one would be my favourite quote. That's difficult. Um, but I love Dolly Parton. Um, she's an incredible, like I love her as a singer. I just love her as a person all around. I think she embodies just gentleness and beauty and like kindness and you know she just does such incredible things with her life and her quote that says if you don't like the road you're walking start paving another one I just think the opportunity that comes in that quote is so powerful that if you are given a vision just believing that you'll be given the resources and trusting that that will unfold knowing that you know the life the, the life you can pave is incredible and it's waiting for you and trusting in that I think is just the most rich um, belief that you can take away and you can um, hold on to. Oh, you're amazing and what a gift to have that as a part of your repertoire, uh, your toolkit for getting through those challenging times but also to realise that those obstacles also can create opportunity. And it sounds to me with everything you've said, it really is a mindset and how you choose to see it all. Mm-hmm. I just want to thank you wholeheartedly. If anybody wants, we'll put the, the website in there, but what are your Facebook and Instagram, any social media links, is that under Macho Mama as well? Yeah, so Facebook is um, Mucho Mama and Instagram is Mucho Mama at, oh, at Mucho Mama 38 because I was the age when I started. So I was 38, now I'm 44, uh, but I was 38 when I was like, right, I'm going to let mums come and journey. You know, they're so struggling and I'm going to ask them to come with me. So I um, used that year and I'm like, oh, it's actually nice to know the year that, you know, how old I was when I started this journey and um, how old I am now. <laughs> It's amazing. You're just a beautiful soul. You exude joy. It is an honor and a privilege to have you on the Self Love Podcast. Beautiful Naomi Jacques, thank you so, so much. My pleasure and honor. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.